You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 93 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as always, is Cal. And Cal, we've got another fun episode of Batman the Animated Series to talk about today. Yeah, as we uh, as we mentioned uh, on last week's episode, we were talking about it. This week is tackling the Batman animated series and DCAU debut of one Edward Nigma, aka the Riddler, in the classic Batman. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Mm. Yeah, this is one that uh, we've mentioned before. These uh, this collection of videotapes that Warner Home Video released. Uh, which under the Adventures of Batman and Robin banner, and each tape was focused on a different character, most of them villains, and of course the Riddler tape had this episode, and another one, Riddler's Reform, which we'll review one day. But so this is definitely an episode that we saw a lot as as uh, as we were growing up, Cal. Uh, heavy rotation. Yep. Um, and it, it's it's funny, like we've we've talked about a lot. Reviewing an episode that you have a personal affinity, a personal love for, can sometimes backfire on you. Sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's still fun to be had with this week's episode. Yeah, it's, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into the IMDb synopsis plot in just a second from you. Um, but, uh, yeah, this episode originally debuted back on November the 18th, 1992, as so many of these episodes we've been covering recently are, so 27 years old. Uh, so yeah, it's a, there is certainly a lot of fun to be had. It's a bit of a goofy episode. Yes. Um, it's sort of one of those rare episodes. Uh, we don't always, actually, I guess it's, it's not rare because the more I think about it, most of the, most of the villains from the Batman rogues get their origin episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a Two-Face origin episode. We have a uh, Clayface, Mr. Freeze, Poison you know, Ivy, all, yeah. Poison Ivy, all those, uh, all those characters, I have a have a a origin intro episode. Even uh, Scarecrow gets his origin sort of fleshed sure. out for him. Uh, so the Riddler is no exception. So we get uh, we get the introduction of the Edward Nigma Riddler character here. And uh, why don't we get the official IMDb synopsis for this one? Absolutely. And this is the synopsis for the episode, as you mentioned, Cal. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Which was written by David Wise and directed by Eric Radomski. And that synopsis reads as such. A fired puzzle designer seeks revenge against his greedy former employer as the Riddler. Very succinct. <laughs> um, and we can jump right into plot from there, Cal. Uh, yeah, so it's a very interesting plot, and we'll get into this a little bit in visuals too, but there certainly seems to be a little bit of commentary on uh, the way the Disney Corporation does business, mm -hmm. or did business at least back in the day, mm -hmm. where Edward Nigma is this sort of pompous, full of himself, uh, uh, game uh, puzzle maker and game creator, designer, and he finds out he's being fired as a result of him bringing a lawsuit against the company he works for because he feels he's owed royalties. You know, your classic Saturday morning cartoon stuff. <laughs> uh, he feels he's owed royalties for creating this game, and his boss, uh, Daniel Mockridge, is firing him uh, for that. And so he's sort of left penniless and jobless as a result of him basically just trying to get what's his. And there's that's certainly an interesting layer to this that I didn't... Like, I remembered that he was upset at his former boss for firing him, but I... 
the the level of like the corporate slime around uh, uh, Mockridge in this episode is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we we kind of drew immediate parallels uh, again, both in visuals and certainly the uh, the history of the character. And say what you want about the Disney Corporation itself, please don't hurt us. But uh, <laughs> you know, there it, it is very well known that the Disney empire was built on uh, movies and cartoons that they created using other people's work yes uh that those creators of those stories uh received little to no compensation for their creations for their artwork for their for their for their stories for their intellectual property this is before that was uh i guess such a such a thing where creators were able to kind of defend themselves on that um, in that era, but uh, yeah, uh, so it, it does have that bit of commentary with that, and of course, uh, nowadays Disney uh, handles things much differently. They just buy other bigger corporations that have <laughs> have created their own companies based right. on based on using other people's artwork uh, or or creations. But yeah, and there's probably also something in there, maybe a little bit, or you can draw some parallels to comic books as a whole, sort of the the fight of creators of you know say people like you know Jerry the families of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster mm-hmm. to get their contributions to characters recognized and to have that you know at the beginning of any property that features the character of Superman or Batman or whoever Spider-Man whoever it has to say created by the you know the artist the mm-hmm. writer whoever worked on on that first issue and knowing um, knowing what creator Bruce Tim his love of Jack Kirby mm-hmm. and sort of uh, the history if you do any his you know search you know just search Jack Kirby Stan Lee and yeah. you'll get kind of an, an idea of um, the general idea and thought process is that you know Stan Lee is certainly had his hand in creating a lot of Marvel things, but he gets the majority of the praise and sort of the the kudos as creating the Marvel universe when it was something that was clearly a shared idea, if not right. the main idea of some other people. So even the Steve Ditko's and oh, yeah. and other others that in, were involved with that creation. So it is, yeah, it, it's heavily it. It's not just Disney and it's not just corporate, you know, capitalism as it, right. as it were. It also has to do very specifically with the industry that the creators of this animation you know this animated show are involved in absolutely and yeah so from there it gets well let's be honest it gets a little silly uh (laughs) it starts out with a riddler kidnapping mockridge from his nightclub where batman and robin are uh confront them and are sort of uh he he shoots a giant chinese finger trap at robin and uh, so Batman has to stop to uh, to free Robin. Very a very like Adam West style moment. I think of that with the yeah. has to get his his plucky young sidekick out of the death trap so the the bad guys get away. But uh, from there they go into as we mentioned, uh, Mockridge has just opened a, a th- or wants to open a theme park, and there's this giant riddle of the Minotaur Minotaur maze that's at the. Uh, the World's Fair or Carnival, whatever they say. Um, uh, yeah, it's based on the, the, which is based on the video game that Edward Nigma right. himself created. Right, and from there we find out that Nigma has sort of re-engineered some of the the maze to have de- actual death traps in them, actual knives. The Griffins, instead of just being little robots on like wheels, they now shoot actual fire. And there's a giant minotaur robot with a big sword waiting for them at the center of it. There's a flying, hovering hand of fate waiting to take them 
to another part of the maze if they do something wrong. So it's, I will say, and I remember them talking about this, uh, the creators talking about it on, on, I don't remember if there's a DVD commentary or just on like a general feature about the Riddler character, but um, they didn't want it to be like, the Adam West show where Batman and Robin are standing around in police, uh, you know, in commissioner Gordon's office puzzling over a riddle. So trying to figure out a way to make this character still be authentic to the Riddler character, but also not have it just be them sort of stroking their chins, trying to figure out what each riddle means. Mm-hmm. So giving him the idea of him being like being the death trap guy or creating these sort of wild, wacky death traps, I guess that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does it does create kind of a almost yeah it's 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 like I said it's a very it's not a gritty grim serious ep- episode certainly no yeah it is um, now it's a f- it lends to the fun but it's ridiculous yes. like it's the ridiculousness of it it's a very comic book idea it's a very comic like. Like you said, you have a hovering robotic hand. I mean, one of the one of the plot devices that are used in this episode. You know, last week there was the plot device that they we talked about with the the uh, the first and only appearance of the giant robot arms that right. hold the glider and Batman. You're like, okay, well, yeah, I forgot that's a plot device they use later. Well, in the beginning of this episode, Batman uses for the one and only time his palm or palm top wrist, computer he calls wrist top, yeah but it's not even his palm it's on the back of his hand like, <laughs> that's i was like that's incorrect it's not palm top but it's a it's a computer that's on the back of his hand that does multiple di- it, i mean it's a neat neat idea yeah but he and maybe they you know it's similar to something you would use in one of the arkham games or something right. like that but it's not something that's ever used again in batman the animated series he uses it one time and, it, and it's like it was specifically designed for this episode to find to have be a plot device for them right. to be able to hack into the hand of fate to be able to translate Arabic. It's, it's kind of like in the Super Friends when like the Legion of Doom would like their their base would like travel through time or like fly into space. Right, and you're like, why do they only do that? Why do they only use that once? Why right, <laughs> why is this? Why is why? this only coming to play right. this episode? Right, so uh, it's like one of those things. Where like that seems like it could be useful in a lot of different <laughs> scenarios, but. He only uses it in in this one episode, and uses it to uses it to translate Arabic. At one point, he uses it to reprogram the hand, the flying hand of fate, that allows him to fly himself and Robin to the center of the maze. It's uh, it's very very silly. Yeah, it's 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 just it's goofy. Now it's goofy fun. Oh there's, yeah, there's certainly some nostalgia feelings and. You know, remember this also ties in. There's a very similar level on Batman, the Adventures of Batman and Robin Super Nintendo game. That oh yes, holds a near and dear spot in our heart. You basically, it's spot for spot. You play this this mm-hmm. episode with a little bit of the virtual reality uh, yeah. episode. What is reality? Yeah, Riddler mixed in there too. But uh, so yeah, it it feels fun. It's I like this episode, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I guess from there we we can get into our plot scores. It's it is interesting to me that we we don't get a result like the Riddler gets away. I don't think there's a lot of episodes where the bad guy just gets away and is still out there. Um, these 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 Riddler episodes tend to have a little more cohesion to them for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Like these these, these few that he's in. Um, so it, it is interesting that it's kind of left open ended like that. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I gave Plot 7 out of 10. Like I said, I, I like it. It's really fun. It's sort of like a, yeah, a Dick Spring era Batman tale told with the, the giant maze and the goofy props, but still told with sort of a, a reasonable, modern, you know, normal Batman the Animated Series style. So I, I think it, it's, it's like I said, it's not perfect, and it is certainly very silly and, and goofy, but I, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I, yeah, my score, very similar. I gave it 8 out of 10. I It's fun, it's goofy, and it's ridiculous, and it's sort of a lighthearted take on, you know, some serious real-life issues. Yeah, but... It's a fun episode. You, I, I smiled the entire time watching this episode. I, we were pretty much line by line repeating, <laughs> yes. repeating everything. I mean, it's been so long since we've seen these episodes, so it's ironic. That just shows you how many times we've seen this yes. episode. But yeah, uh, it's. I still had fun watching it. Absolutely. And moving on from there to visuals, Cal. And so while we're doing a little bit of research, we found out the animation uh, team for this episode is called Blue Pencil SI. Uh, which is perhaps most interesting because they only uh, animated this episode and one other one, Day of the Samurai, that we'll be reviewing somewhere down the line. So they are not any of the regular studios uh, that we've talked about, even ones that we're ones that we liked, ones that we weren't such big fans of. This was kind of a, I guess, sort of a fill-in when the regular studios weren't available. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not a strongly animated episode. It's yeah. It's really bad, actually. There's a lot of inconsistencies. There's a lot of weird-looking characters. It's not bad in the sense, uh, maybe in the Dollar in the Bad episode jar that we talked about a couple weeks ago with <laughs> Cat Scratch Fever, but it's it's pretty bad. There's, um, you know, I think the shadow work is okay. There's even, but there's a lot of inconsistencies in the way that people look. There's a couple of scenes where people just look, I don't know, it looks like you're looking through a magnifying glass or something. People are distorted. Um, there's a couple of scenes, especially towards the end where, uh, the Riddler, he, he's, his costume is colored gray and green instead of purple and green. Right. Yeah. You pointed that out. Um, you know, there's some certainly some perspective and and certainly scale uh, things that are mm-hmm. out of scale. Um, yeah, it's the, it's not a very strongly animated episode. It's the, fun visually, yes, and that sort of comes into the the conversation why we why we expanded. The, you know, when we did our early episodes, we just sort of called this category animation. We sort of expanded it to visuals and animation mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, like the backgrounds are really cool in this episode. Uh, the design of of uh, some of the, like we said, the Riddler traps, the griffins, the the giant knives that come swinging out of Batman and Robin are very cool. The Hand of Fate, the Minotaur, that's all very cool. But the animation itself in this case, I think, I would agree. There's also, like, just in some of the shots where they're walking, like Batman and Robin, they, lo- they look like they have, like, jelly bones. Yep. Like... Like they're like bounce, they're like bouncing kind of weirdly as they walk. Uh, you can't see it, but as I was describing it, I also began to jiggle my shoulders in a weird way. Uh, but this is why this needs to be a visual yeah, podcast at some point in the future, maybe one day. But uh, but it, yeah, so like I said, I, I like a lot of the visuals for it, but the animation itself does feel very off and. The 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 you know Batman and Robin's faces I wouldn't say they I, they look super off model but you can tell they're not quite on model and there's some kind of wacky silly faces made throughout the episode. Um, I guess the only other thing to talk about uh, before we give our scores is the Riddler design itself. Obviously, this is quite a bit different than the the Frank Gorshin 
Riddler or the Riddler of the comics of this time. He's not in a big green jumpsuit with black question marks all over it. Uh, what, do, what do you think about this Riddler design? I love this Riddler. I mean, this is the design we grew up with. So, I, yeah. again, you know, you have the nostalgia factor and you have the, this is hashtag my Riddler, I guess we could, <laughs> we could say. But, yeah, I love this design and I actually prefer this design. I love that in even in Batman Forever, they use both designs. They use the sort of morph suit Riddler, but there mm-hmm. is a point where he has the, the derby and the jacket and mm-hmm. has the more design based on There's actually a lot of elements from Batman Forever, if you go back and watch that, that the Riddler storyline was lifted directly from this sort of origin story mm-hmm. used for from Batman the Animated Series. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I enjoy this visual. I know they change it up, uh, and we don't really get a full episode. We get a, a couple cameo spots for the Riddler yeah. in the new Batman adventures. Um, so it's really hard to to compare the two. Yeah. But this one has the near and dear, uh, and sort of is when I think of the Riddler, this is this is the one that I would go go for. Um, yeah, it's a guy in a suit jacket and a tie. Uh, <laughs> but they talked about you know they didn't want it to be that frank. Gorshin Riddler and it's interesting Mm -hmm. because there's a in the uh, Batman animated book that Chip Kid put out, uh, which is a very, very it's it's hard to get now. Yeah. If you have the opportunity, yeah, I hope they put it back in print one day because I'd like more people to be able to look at it. It's it's great, but there's some original artwork that Bruce Tim did of a Frank Gorshin esque looking Riddler, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it would it would be out of place. That I mean, Frank Gorshin is in the '66 Batman mm-hmm. is an iconic oh, yeah. version of that that character, and you, I know that Jim Carrey lifted a lot of things from that portrayal Mm -hmm. but it's very hard to differentiate between the joker and the riddler at that point it's a very similar character Mm -hmm. so to make this to by the casting we'll talk about it when we get into voice acting but casting john glover who's who sounds like an intelligent like smart aleck Mm -hmm. you know brain bigger i'm smarter than you batman and that's that's another part of this character the character is going to outsmart batman he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room so not only is he going to try and confuse batman with the riddles that he leaves behind but he's going to set traps and all this you know right however so yeah i i think that this look fits that character well they still kept him with the domino mask and you know so there's still parts of the question mark is still a part of what you mm-hmm. know his uniform and the green color but yeah I, I i like this toned down sort of you know sleek sleek version of the of the riddler as opposed to that the green jumpsuit yeah i think you really nailed it with uh, and i know they talked the creators talked about this of if you have a really manic, over-the-top Riddler, how do you differentiate him from the Joker? Um, mm-hmm. So ha- right, having the guy who's his whole point here is... Uh, well, in this episode, it's very much a revenge-based plot, but certainly his subsequent appearances are all about just trying to outsmart Batman and mm-hmm. prove that he's the smartest guy in Gotham. And, uh, yeah, I think I think this design works, works great for that. So, like I said, uh, visuals, very cool. Design of the Riddler, cool animation itself not great so i ended up on a six out of ten for my visual score what about you uh yeah very similar i went i went five out of ten um i think the visuals are are definitely interesting as we talked about the the minotaur game itself even how even that scene where dick's playing the the video game on the back computer i thought you know looking back now of course that's very retro it's Mm -hmm. looking at it's like you know looking at a early version of you know oregon trail or something ridiculous on on computer but remember at the time I'm watching an episode going, man, I wish that was a real game. That right, was so yeah. fun to play. Um, but, you know, so the visuals are fun, but the animation is just not very good. And, and I'm 
be very interested to see what this is going to look like when we get to Day of the Samurai, if it's if that's going to take away from the score for that one. Because you have less visual interesting things in that episode right. to sort of to bring the score up. So yeah. uh, we'll look forward to that down the line. Absolutely. And that will move us to our third category, Cal, which is, of course, music. And, of course, with a new villain comes a new villain theme and sort of a new theme for the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And I really, really quite enjoyed the Riddler's theme, and I, I enjoyed the music for this episode quite a bit. Yeah, uh, it's it's another one of those classic themes. It, it's instantly recognizable when you, when you play it. Again, um, it's something that they did well tying into that Adventures of Batman and Robin Super Nintendo game that mm-hmm. we spent so much of our childhood playing. Yes. Um, so it's 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 something that you automatically associate with that character. So you know it's it's really good stuff. Yeah, definitely agree. I, I love the music as they're running through the maze. I think is really cool. The uh, and as the the hand of the hand of fate like has its own theme. <laughs> as like this really almost like Lawrence of Arabia or something like this really mm-hmm. dramatic. Uh, over the top uh, theme when it when it shows up and it's is about to grab them at first and then when Batman calls it back later on it, even it the comes Griffins back in. when the Griffins break through the wall they seem mm-hmm. to have their own musical cues too because that that theme plays multiple times mm-hmm. as they as they come in so yeah it was some very unique musical portions for each of this episode absolutely um, yeah just it's re- like I said it just it just it, it does a really good job of adding to that atmosphere and I I think the the Riddler theme really especially fits that character really well uh yeah i i gave music a, a very strong nine out of ten. Oh yeah um, i'm right there with you um eight out of ten um i think it's very very strong and uh i look forward to seeing in the next riddler episodes how that theme is, is brought back absolutely and that will bring us to our final category category here cal which is of course voice acting and we don't have a huge cast but uh, we do have Gary Frank, not the DC Comics artist, <laughs> uh, most recently uh, the artist of Doomsday Clock, but in fact a different Gary Frank, an actor, yes. uh, who uh, was on Star Trek and several other shows in the 70s so he and 80s. he was an Emmy Award winner, actually. Yes, I believe so. Uh, that's um, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, as Daniel Mockridge, and he's a really good slimy like corporate jerk, which is what Absolutely. you need him to be. Um, and then, of course, the kind of the star of the show, we have... Uh, John Glover's first appearance, as you mentioned, Cal, as uh, the Riddler, who uh, you would know from things like his uh, somehow not Oscar-winning role uh, uh, in Batman and Robin. Um, <laughs> or don't know how he... Or in uh, Gre- or his role as the villain in Gremlins 2, I think. <laughs> I think he's in one of the Gremlins movies. Okay. But no, uh, for me, of course, as, as we've mentioned certainly uh, quite a bit over, the, over these episodes, uh, Smallville is maybe my favorite television show ever. Mm-hmm. And he was, of course, Lionel Luthor, the, uh, the yeah. father, the man who made Lex Luthor into who Lex Luthor would become. Uh, He's, uh, so, uh, love, love that guy. He's actually a local guy, you know, we're, we're based in, in the Maryland, Baltimore area, and he was actually from this area as well, went to school here as well, so, uh, love to see a local guy, yeah. uh, show up in our, 
in our uh, credits this week and uh, he's a great great riddler as you mentioned because of this character is meant to be a more cerebral guy but he has that sort of underlying like lack of confidence in everything he's mm-hmm. doing like there's a little bit of like it's a fake it till you make it type of thing <laughs> where like he wants you to think that he's smart but maybe in the back of his mind he doesn't quite believe it sure there's a little bit on unhi- like a little bit of like baggage back there sure that was sort of exacerbated by this Mockridge sort of cheating him out of what he felt he deserved. Sure. So I, I think he does a great job in this performance. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, back to Gary Frank as as Mockridge real quick. He's he's really good. We we mentioned visually he looks a little bit like Walt Disney too. Yes. So playing that sort of corporate o- or overload, uh, overlord that really doesn't you know he's just he's just all about the bottom dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think starting out at the beginning where he's this confident guy is great, and then as he's gone through this traumatic experience of nearly being killed by yeah. his former employee, uh, all the way up to the end is 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 tremendous uh but yeah john glover as the riddler you know it's another one of those you're reading through a comic book you're probably going to hear hear john glover's voice and the great thing about he i mean he's such a great presence on twitter if you follow him on twitter and he's the type of guy you know he does conventions he does a lot of stuff and he holds near and dear he's a great i mean he he loves the fans that interact with him he loves you know um he's not one of those guys that's moved on and beyond his his uh his characters you know he of course he's he's still uh, you know loves talking about his portrayal of Lionel Luthor mm-hmm. you know but he's also a, you know a, a good friend to the the those that are still passionate about the yeah. DCAU too and he's interacted with us a few times on Twitter so uh we can call him a friend of the show yes. right friend of the show <laughs> friend of the show John Glover uh, but yeah absolutely um it's 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 a performance that is strong from the get go um it's not one that he has to warm up to or find his footing and um yeah like it's it's very very strong uh, and uh, I would say downright iconic for the DCAU. Absolutely, and yeah, it's it's just and again, like we said, these these three Riddler episodes in this original run here kind of all have this this theme of him getting sort of more unhinged uh, as it goes and more intent on on killing Batman and proving he's smarter. And yeah, this is a really great first step there. And then uh, outside of that, we just have our our regulars. We have. Uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. is Alfred briefly, and then we have Lauren Lester's Robin, um, who again is kind of there to do a lot of exposition this week. Mm-hmm. He's there to explain to, he's the hip young guy who's there to explain what video games are to Batman. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but I did like that they like they found a way to make Rob other than just having him in the episode just to have him there like yeah. the idea that he had played the video game and so he kind of knows some of the puzzles and i it does show that he's like he's not an idiot yeah. himself like Absolutely. he like he figures out the the one musical puzzle kind of on his own and and things like that and i i liked uh, there's a little bit of at the end of him just kind of having to go just having to keep reacting shocked to the Griffins and the Knives and the Hand of Fate and the Riddler himself and all that, but I think Lauren Lester does a good job in this episode. Yeah, he. This is a, one of the stronger episodes. You know, I think the last time we talked about him, I mean, he was obviously in uh, the episode we talked about last week, as far or two weeks ago rather, as far as the Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. That was yeah. the last time we really got to talk about him. But there wasn't a whole lot uh, for him in that episode. Though I think the last one that we really talked about with a lot of meat on it was the Robin's Reckoning. Yeah, um, you know, which was uh, maybe an all time performance for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he follows it up with another strong one. And, and you're right, it's a lot of quipping, and uh, but that's what the story called for. Right. And is not 
quipping to the level of roll your eyes quipping. You know, it's a lot of you know speaking incredulously and right. trying to figure out the one annoyance and it's not his fault it's the way it was written is like, <laughs> like he sees the hand of fate batman jump on the hand of fate and then he's like calling out for him he's like batman batman right. it's like you saw the hand of fate right. take him why are you in the same spot looking for batman like, <laughs> i don't know but that's not his fault no i right. I, I thought it was a, a pretty strong performance from him as well yeah and then you know rounding out the group we have we have of course kevin conroy who is good here again he he doesn't have uh, a lot to do he's again he and robin and lauren lester in this case are both kind of there to just react to all of the the wackiness of, of the riddler and mockridge but i do like that batman sort of has immediately figured out who who the riddler is and he sort of is very dismissive of him and and that sort of leads and he just keeps figuring everything out and yeah, keeps it, spoiling him at every turn and i think there's almost like a certain like weariness he's like he's just like he's getting so more and more fed up as the episode's <laughs> going on yeah and it's it's you know it's, i think it lends to that and that's you know that, them writing that uh you know batman is smarter than the riddler and the right. riddler is just so frustrated and it comes out in his performance of him being exasperated that he thinks he feels that he's smarter than batman batman knows that he's smarter than the riddler right and it just gets at the riddler that you know it until the very end where you know riddler admits or you know you find out that the riddler was on a plane the entire time and right well batman will have to face him another time but uh yeah kevin conroy does really good and even a small portion with uh ephraim zemless jr is mm-hmm. hashtag my alfred um his interaction with lauren lester is pretty funny as yeah he's watching the video game you know the, yeah. the, the doting old fellow who yes. is just flabbergasted by modern technology and video games oh yeah but that was good. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. So that'll bring us to our scores here. I gave voice acting a nine out of ten. Ah, so. oh, very good. Uh, again, I'm I'm right there, very close. Uh, I went eight out of ten as well. Um, there's just there's not a ton of characters to to go into depth here, but uh, it's it's a strong performance and a strong start for the for especially for uh, the Riddler. Agreed. And that'll bring us to our final scores, Cal, and tallying everything up here. I appear to have a final score of 31 out of 40. Ah, and unsurprisingly, we haven't had too much uh, disagreement recently. I'm very close to that with a 29 out of 40. So yeah, as far as rewatchability goes, I think I would say yes, you should watch this one just because it's a lot of fun. And it is, as you mentioned, uh, you know, the introductory, the origin story of this version of the Riddler who's going to come back quite a few times throughout the series. So, yeah, I think this is a this is a thumbs up as far as rewatching goes. Absolutely. I would I would give it a rewatch um and certainly it's uh just for the fun of the of the maze at the end. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't seem it doesn't drag. The episode doesn't seem like a burden to watch. It's fun. A lot some interesting visuals and uh and a lot of a lot of one-liners that are, are pretty memorable as well. Agreed. And uh, again, not your necessarily your average Saturday morning cartoon or weekday afternoon cartoon <laughs> stuff when you have Mockridge giving a speech about how, well, you see, by not paying anyone anything, we <laughs> made an extra $10 million in profits this quarter. It's like, that's... There's no real-world implications with that one. Right, yeah, nothing... <laughs> 
but, <laughs> but at the same time, it devolves into a very Saturday morning Batman running through a giant maze, right? Escaping death traps, right? Uh, you know, type type story. You, you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. There but. you go. Absolutely. So yeah, that will wrap us up for this week. Uh, before we wrap up, Cal, why don't you let the listeners at home know what we'll be reviewing next week? That's right, Liam. Uh, so we it's been a whole two episodes since we've had him on an episode, <laughs> but uh, he was sort of a, a cameo slash bit player in that last time we had him. But uh, we're got another Joker episode coming up. Uh, the next episode that we'll be covering is Joker's Wild, uh, which go. is very exciting. Uh, another one of those, if I recall, we had on was on one of our tapes, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Warner Home Home Video tape. So certainly one that was heavy in the rotation and uh, has some interesting and memorable lines and some some interesting visuals with uh, a Joker themed casino. Absolutely. Look forward to getting into that one next week, as well as telling you, you fine folks at home, what we'll be reviewing on the 29th of this month. we got a big, exciting announcement for what we'll be doing that week and for the month of March, so look forward to that next week. Uh, Other than that, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at DCAUReview on both of those. And, of course, head to DCAUReview.com. You can hear every episode we've ever produced. Uh, and you can search for it by category if you just want to hear our Batman episodes or what have you. We can uh, you can break it down that way. So that will wrap us up for this week. I'm Liam and I'm Cal, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye bye.